0: The music of Wayne Kramer back when dogs could talk relative uh, to our uh, discussion today because Wayne Kramer uh, did the uh, soundtrack for the HBO documentary uh, Hacking Democracy, which uh, has uh, covers some of the same issues we're talking about today with uh, Professor Mark Crispin Miller. And uh, we're t- discussing his book, Fooled Again, The Real case for electoral reform. And, Professor Miller, we still got you with us? Yeah, call me Mark. (laughs) Okay, Mark. It's great having you. Yeah, and uh, uh, were you involved at all in that uh, documentary, uh, Hacking Democracy?
1: I was not personally involved, although I I know Earl Katz, the producer, quite well, and helped as much as I could to publicize. I thought it was a terrific uh, piece of work, and very powerful, and uh it was a great thing that h b o showed it. I wish they'd showed it a little earlier, but the fact is that they did show it, and people should definitely go rent it if they haven't seen it i I'm glad to know that I didn't know anything about Wayne Kramer. That was quite a rockin' tune you just played there.
0: <laughs> well, that's the, the uh, Wayne Kramer of the legendary MC5. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, you know, the whole 1968 Democratic Convention and that uh, they were the, the only band that actually played before the police uh, went nuts that uh, day. So he's he's got that on his uh, resume. But uh, yeah, he was a guest on the show some months back. And, uh, uh, well, actually, I think uh, before... Well, right around the time you were on the show before, and uh, he had told me he was working on this soundtrack, and I I mentioned you, and he uh, and he seemed real excited about it. So I, I turned him on to your stuff. So I'm I'm sure he picked up a copy of your book and all. Oh, but, great. yeah, yeah. So uh, the uh, <clears throat> anyway, the we're, we got about 15 minutes left here, and uh, you mentioned earlier the 2002 election, and uh, th- that you know. Most people out there, or, or I don't know if I should say most, but probably a majority of the people out there think the 2000 presidential election was uh, fraudulent, and and uh, uh, probably less amount uh, of people, but a significant minority think the 2004 election was fraudulent, but you don't hear a lot of talk about the two thousand and two midterms, and there were a couple of races there that are just so outrageous, yeah, which you talk about and I think it's worth uh repeating the um was it Georgia right where the yeah, most George, out-
1: Georgia was the most startling let me say parenthetically before I do that that um uh, there was another Zogby poll, and I think it was Zogby. Um, in the summer of 2006, which found that only 45% of the uh, American people thought that Bush was legitimately elected. So it it isn't necessarily a minority. Uh, It just feels like a minority because the press never covers the issue. Uh, But, I mean, how can you look at what these people, what this regime has done and not think they stole the election. You know. <laughs> anyway, by two thousand and two, uh, people will cast their minds back. They'll remember the loud bellowing, the loud painful bellowing that the party emitted after Jim Jeffords uh, left the GOP and became an independent who caucused with the Democrats. the you know, senator from Vermont. Because when he did that uh, in early two thousand and two, because of Bush's extremism, uh, the Republicans lost to control of the Senate. So it's necessary to do something about that, and there is considerable evidence that perhaps in as many as four states, the Republicans worked a certain black magic to get their men elected. Quite extreme right-wing Republicans in Colorado, Minnesota, New Hampshire, and especially Georgia, In three of those states, Diebold machines were used, Uh, not in Minnesota, you know, where Paul Wellstone uh, met with an untimely fatal accident, as you'll remember, and then Norm Coleman was elected, although he'd been expected to lose, to Walter Mondale. In all four of these cases, they were, you know, startling upsets by the right-wing candidate, but nowhere was it more amazing than in Georgia, where Max Cleland, you know, the war hero who lost three limbs in Vietnam a very very popular democratic senator went down unexpectedly to defeat to this guy uh Saxby Chambliss who was kind of a political non-entity certainly no war hero he was you know stayed out of Vietnam because of a bad knee now what actually happened was uh, the story has been told by several people uh, most recently by Bobby Kennedy Jr in a Rolling Stone piece that came out last fall, the fall of 2006, he has a Diebold employee, a guy named Chris Hood, say on the record that a few weeks before the 2002 election, the head of the Diebold voting machine division flew out to Georgia personally to supervise the covert placement of a software patch on all the voting machines in the state. And told the Diebold people not to mention this to county employees, wherever they were doing it, which I think is pretty, pretty remarkable. Yeah. Uh, then what do you know? Cleveland loses. Now, uh, if you look into the history of what happened in Georgia, you find that the the voting system there had been literally privatized and stealthily. Privatized by Kathy Cox, who was Secretary of State, a Democrat, a Zell Miller-type Democrat. She went around the state legislature and signed a secret agreement with Debold. Uh, all this is in the paper back to fooled again, and Bev Harris has written about it, and other voting you know activists have written about it. But what happened was quite remarkable. In fact, I, I believe that just the other day, maybe yesterday, Kathy Cox was deposed. Uh, I don't mean, you know, knocked off her throne. I mean, (laughs) legally, you know, there's a deposition ongoing about some of these matters, so it it may catch up with her yet. At any rate, the voting system was privatized, by which I mean that all those functions that are supposed to be carried out by citizens, printing ballots, you know, running polling places, all this stuff was handed to a for-profit private corporation with a history of close ties to the Republican Party amazing to me. It still takes my breath away when I think about it. That's the D. Bolt Corporation, one of the two biggest manufacturers of e-voting machinery.
0: Yeah, which we we haven't gone into today, but it's well-documented in your book and elsewhere how these machines are not secure at all. All the computer experts... They're
1: they're constructed, I think, to throw elections, so they're certainly not secure. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so that's the background of what happened to Max Cleland in Georgia. Now, the really depressing thing about this, aside from the fact that a you know a decent man was, and the citizens of Georgia were cheated uh, by these you know criminals, is that the press immediately drew the conclusion that, and this is denial at work, that Cleveland lost because of the propaganda that the Chambliss campaign had launched against him, specifically a commercial that. Uh, In essence, accused Cleland of treason. Remember, this guy has one limb because he he threw himself on a hand grenade in Vietnam to protect his buddies. This guy was accused of treason in these commercials by Saxby Chambliss because he had voted against Bush's creation of the Department of Homeland Security. So we're supposed to believe that a highly popular uh, war hero senator in Georgia, whom the polls placed, significantly ahead of Saxby Chambliss beforehand we're supposed to believe that he lost the election because of this ridiculous attack ad that Saxby Chambliss ran this is what the logicians call post hoke ergo propter hoc you know after it therefore because of it so if you if you you know get into your stateroom in the titanic and you turn the light on and then the titanic sinks <laughs> <laughs> you think, oh, geez, I shouldn't have turned the light on. You know, that, that's how. That's how. That's how stupid you become when you're in denial. So the press doesn't think at all about the actual mechanics of the vote and whether or not the people of Georgia were really that stupid. Yeah, I guess you yeah. know most reporters would figure that being Southerners, they must be stupid. So they simply acquiesce in this preposterous upset.
0: Okay, well, uh, before we go, we don't have too much time left. I want to talk about 2006, right. but but uh, real quick, the, the 2002, that uh, Saxby Chambliss versus uh, Max Cleland, the the Opinion poll two days before the election, and then the result, that, the swing on that. Just give us those numbers real quick.
1: Oh, jeez, I haven't memorized them. Was it, it?
0: it was something like a 17-point swing. It was crazy. Yeah, it was
1: an insane swing, because and, and a similarly dramatic swing uh, in the governor's race. Yeah,
0: yeah, it, it, yeah it was uh, completely impossible. But let, let's talk about 2006, because this is really important, because, right, uh, right.
1: Uh, yeah, you know... It. I'm glad you brought that up, because people often say, well, obviously the Republicans can't... Have cheated because look how well the Democrats did in 2006. Well, <laughs>
0: Let's explain first, that. First
1: of all, the Democrats, the evidence strongly suggests the Democrats did much better than they think. They're all excited because they were allowed to win 29 House seats and some Senate seats. Uh, they're too badly afflicted by battered spouse syndrome to look squarely at the possibility that they may have won 50 seats or more. Uh, that's the difference between the two parties. the four four Democrats in in Florida have contested their defeats, and three of them uh, actually proved that there was election fraud. Clint Curtis and two others went door to door in precincts, collecting sworn affidavits from voters, and they have proved that there was a twelve to twenty four point divergence between the official numbers. And what they discovered, these are sworn affidavits from voters. They took this evidence to the uh, now Democratic-controlled House, specifically to the House appro- uh, uh, um, Administration Committee, whose members unanimously refused to look at the evidence and unanimously rejected the request for an investigation. Anyway, this is a complicated story, how it is that the Democrats won that much. How did they win 29 seats? If the Republicans have the system so badly gamed, well, the the explanation for this lies in the fact uh, that the Republicans, first of all, clearly—and this is based on exit poll results—gave themselves a four percent advantage by fiddling with the memory cards in the voting machines in many states. In order to do this, they had they had to act early because nowadays people are very vigilant about what goes on with the machines, so. They had a 4%. This is statistically inarguable. They gave themselves this 4% advantage. It is, it is speculation that they had to do it early. What seems to have happened is this. Having gamed the system in their own favor early and having given themselves a 4-point advantage, which they had to do because that's the margin of error, they couldn't mm-hmm. give themselves anything higher, it would have looked suspicious. Having done that, the Republicans then ran up against two things that they hadn't expected, One was uh, a series of extremely damaging stories that the corporate media came out with, because I believe that the establishment has had it up to here with Bush Cheney. Just as the establishment finally got sick of Joe McCarthy, I think the Bush administration is too reckless, uh, too bad for business, etc. So all of a sudden, for the first time in our history, we have a high-profile Republican sex scandal, This is the Mark Foley scandal, Right. Broken by ABC News, which is amazing because, as people will recall, all the Republicans are probably far more perverted and horny than (laughs) the (laughs) Democrats.
0: Because (laughs) they've never
1: had had a Republican sex scandal. It's always been Clinton, Gary Condit, and all this stuff. All of a sudden, we got this Republican sex scandal. We also have, all of a sudden, the third volume of Bob Woodward's trilogy, Bush at War, which is extremely damning. After two books that treat Bush like Caesar himself, exercises in slavering, you know, kowtowing to this great leader, all of a sudden Bob Woodward and Simon and & Schuster come out with this really damning expose. And I mean, as I point out in the afterword to Fooled Again, Bob Woodward has been connected to intelligence in this country for, for years before he was a Washington Post reporter. This isn't speculation, this is fact. Mm-hmm he was with navy intelligence he was the joint chief of staffs liaison officer to the white house and he used to brief al haig in the basement there this is before he was at the washington post so the guy is connected up the wazoo also there was the outing of um ted haggard the reverend ted haggard right so- i don't know anything about that but i wouldn't be surprised if that was another deliberate you know uh, attempt to take the republicans down now these establishment these late hits by the establishment i believe are one reason why the republicans lost ground unexpectedly the other and the better the more encouraging democratic reason is that the turnout was extremely high the turnout was officially the highest mid-year turnout we've had since nineteen seventy but so, i believe that if we factor in the thousands of people tried to vote and we're told at the polls hey, you're not registered i mean when you can't vote you're not, you know you don't talk to exit pollsters you have nothing to tell them so I think that it might have been one of the highest mid-year turnouts in American history. This strikes me as extremely good news because people had been bombarded for months by news reports about the unreliability of voting machines, not about fraud, right? Not about the fact that Republicans had used the machines to their own advantage. Rather, the, what, they, what they reported instead was that the machines were simply unpredictable, so the voting was like online gambling it was a risk
0: right so why even bother to vote you know why even bother
1: to vote yeah despite that despite that the turnout was enormous and it was also the most carefully monitored election in history because a lot of people got the message so there were more voters than the republicans expected there were also more and more damaging you know stories uh against the republicans at the last minute between those two things Uh, They were only able to keep the Democratic victories down to, like, 29 House seats. Aside from the four Florida races that were contested by the candidates, there were a whole lot of other races suspiciously close, abundant evidence of fraud, Uh, but those candidates were persuaded by the Democratic Party to drop the issue. So, you know, if the Democratic Party honored its name, you know, and really did have the interests of the people at heart, and actually looked into all these elections closely, I believe they would have discovered that it was an absolute rout of the Republican Party. Oh, yes, yes. Very little support any longer. Uh, even among conservatives.
0: So yeah, we got to kind of wrap this up here. But so, uh, if I could summarize that real quick, that uh, there seems to have been this fix put in four uh, percent sort of skim of the vote because that would be within the margin of error. But this was done uh, like a couple months before the election, and they thought that would be enough to right, maintain right. control. But because of those all those factors you just named, it wasn't quite enough, That's and right. so they lost control. And and then the other thing that I thought was very suspicious from the beginning, right after the election, and you also brought that up in the book, was that there were some really close races that the Republican, quote-unquote, officially won, but they didn't, uh, officially lost, but they didn't ask for a recount. That's a-
1: right. And you're the like, oh A lot of Republicans, hmm. like Rick Santorum and others, lost, you know. Uh, and, and on election night, at first, they all threatened, oh, we're going to look into this, we're going to sue, which, which I think would have been great. You know, I say bring it on. Yeah, but I think any, they were... Anybody uh, thinks they've lost it legitimately, they should... They should look into it. But then a few hours later, they were all sweetness and light. No, no, in the interests of the uh, public, blah, 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 we're not going to, you know. So, yeah, not a single one of them contested. Right. So, because uh, if they did contest, they would have found a lot of evidence that they were the criminals, like George George Allen in Virginia and so on.
0: Right. So, yeah, you didn't actually lose by 1%. You actually lost by 5%. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, Mark. We're out of time here, but I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. It's always great talking to you.
1: Yeah, thank you, Robert. I listen. I really appreciate you having me on at such length, uh, and you, you know you, it was a great interview. You really did your homework. I appreciate it.
0: Uh, well, your work is just, it's great work, and the the blog site is uh, markcrispinmiller.blogspot.com.
1: Yes, markcrispinmiller.com is really all you need.
0: Okay, great. And again, the book, uh, Fooled Again, The Real Case for Electoral Reform. Okay, uh, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you, Robert. Okay, bye now. All right. Uh, yes, that uh, was Mark Crispin Miller. The book is Fooled Again, The Real Case for Electoral Reform. Check that out. And, uh, boy, we're really out of time here, so I'm going to say we got got... Uh, Will Bruzzo coming right up with The Aggressive Moderate in about uh, a couple minutes here. And uh, next week, my special guest will be... Um Anthony Peak, we're going to discuss his book, Is There Life After Death? The Extraordinary Science of What Happens When We Die. And uh, so, again, the opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the KUCI staff or management or the UC Board of Regents. And I always like feedback on the show, so hit me up at rglarson at KUCI.org or uh, myspace.com backslash out the rabbit hole. So I'm uh, going to leave you with some music here from Chris Christopherson, and then Will Bruzzo will be right up with The Aggressive Moderate. KUCI and Irvine.